Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen to the show. Okay, you guys, so we have a special edition bonus episode today for you. That is right. If you have followed me on my social channels, mainly Instagram and Facebook, and if you follow my stories, by the way, if you're not following, please follow at Corbin Maxey. You'll know I just got back from New York City. Oh my goodness, it was such a crazy time. We went there to film for the kids TV show Wonderama and I was able to work with some incredible animals and if you were watching my story behind the scenes you were able to see some crazy stuff like a loose porcupine, uh, a kinkachu, kawadis. Some of you are like wait what? What's a kawadi? Anyway, I cannot wait to kind of dive in there, kind of give you guys a behind the scenes, I don't know, recap of what happened filming for the show. And it's always fun. I used to, and you know, if you've listened to the show, you'll know I love doing recaps of these experiences, kind of giving you more of like a behind the scenes look at like what it's like when you do work with animals and especially when you work with animals on these television programs because a lot of people are unaware of you know the work that you know is involved all the behind the scenes stuff and so I'm so happy to be able to use this platform to do that do not worry though next week we have a very exciting guest starting Monday we're going to get back to our regular guest interviews with our animal experts and fanatics all around the world before we get going to this bonus episode if you haven't already please Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes. This is huge. It really just, it really, really just helps the show grow. We also appreciate any ratings. I think now we're at a 5.0, which is awesome. Thank you so much. Five stars. So I appreciate it. Please, please, please leave a rating. I love your feedback. I also love your guest suggestions. When you send them to me, you can just personally email them to me info at corbinmaxi.com. We have some great guests in the works. And also before we get to this, if you haven't already, check out our Patreon page. So if you love the show and you want to contribute and say, hey, I have like a couple dollars or $10 or even $5 and you'd like to donate to the show. Once again, this program is completely self-funded. You can do that. And those funds will actually help with like website hosting fees, a variety of different equipment, new mics, all that type of fun stuff. Uh, You can visit patreon.com slash animals to the max. All right, you guys ready for the recap? It is, uh, I'm going to be honest, it is so nice to be home. I am, uh, yeah, so I live an hour outside of Boise on the Snake River in a little town called Marcin. And so like population is like a thousand. It's crazy. It's such a crazy contrast going, you know, from living in Idaho to this tiny little town on the river to just traveling to New York. The city is home. I think Manhattan is over eight and a half million people just live in Manhattan. And then 30 million, it's either 30 or 35 million commute all around in those surrounding areas, like through New Jersey, Connecticut. It's just, it's just crazy going there. You know, I I don't know how many, you know, how many of you have been to New York. I I highly recommend it. So if you've never been to New York, I think it's definitely a bucket list. I have to admit though, for, you know, some people, New York isn't for everyone. Like I said, it is really, really busy. And, you know, that's a lot for a lot of country people. But I personally love New York. I love going there. I've been going there since, I think my first time I was like 10 years old. Yeah, I think I was 10 and I remember like the magic of it, like the magic of going to Times Square and it's just like, oh, this is, you know, the lights and it's the people and it's so incredible. And now it's funny because now when I go back, I like try to avoid Times Square. (laughs) It's like, I'm good. I prefer to be away from the tourists, but uh, no. 
like I said, definitely love going back to New York. So this was for a TV show filming uh, for a program called Wonderama. And I want to clear some stuff up because a lot of people have messaged me and saying, Wonder Who? Like Wonder Woman? No, no, no. Wonderama. And so it is a kids program that's currently in its fourth season. So it's syndicated across the country, meaning it's not on like just one station. So it's not on NBC or ABC affiliates. It's all across the country. And you actually have to check your local listings to watch it. We were on last year and we filmed last year around this time. And it was crazy. The segment actually didn't even come out until like almost a year later, which it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I kind of forgot we did that. But uh, it was great last year we brought on a sloth, a penguin, a boa constrictor, and a really, really stinky anteater uh, called a tamandua. His name is Gus, and he stinks to all high heavens. Matter of fact, they are said to be four times more powerful than a skunk. So, I mean, right, you can imagine. So I remember we brought all those animals in and I thought, oh my goodness, we stunk up the studio. I can't imagine them wanting us to come back, but they did. Wonderama for season four invited my wife and I and the animals back to the show. And oh, it was just such a fantastic time. I love, uh, you know, being able to work with the studio audience. This audience was full of kids. So it was just awesome to be able to see their eyes just pop out of their heads that doesn't sound, that kind of sounds like a horror movie, but their eyes were <laughs> so excited to see all the amazing animals. It was great. So really quick for some of my older listeners. Hey, grandma. Hey, grandpa. Uh, I would have to say that Wonderama might actually sound familiar to you because the program was a kids TV show that ran from 1955 to 1977. Very interesting. So it has a lot of history. The production has always been in New York City. So a lot of history there. And it's basically just like a children's variety show with a variety of different acts. And so that is why they brought me on to do an animal demo, which is great. Really quick, the show was hosted by, I would say like, I would say a good friend of mine now, David Osman. Of course, David is famous for being part of the famous Osman family, Donnie and Marie Osman, huge icons. And so uh, he is part of that family and he is an excellent talent he's hilarious he's a great singer he's had a, uh, a successful career himself so he's the host of the show love working with David I feel like you know sometimes when you do these shows you can either click with you know host or you don't or it's kind of in between and I felt like me and David just just clicked. I just, I just, oh my God, I was laughing at all of his jokes. I just, yeah. Anyway, super fun guy to work with. And he's really interested in the animals, which makes it awesome. It's so cool. Like when the hosts are like, oh, what is that? Or, oh, you know, can I, can I feed that? Or where is that found? And it's really, really cool. For this show in particular, we wanted to can I do something different? We wanted to bring on some unusual animals that a lot of people had never heard of. And so from the beginning of this, and I guess it's just kind of answer some other questions. A few of you emailed me and asked, do I have a say in which animals come on the show? And that is 100%. I have a say on what animals come on the show. What happens is the, you know, the show will contact me and say, Hey, we'd love to have you on. And I'm just like, woo! I scream like that right into, uh, right into the email. I just say, woo! I'm so excited. I usually say that. And then I say, okay, great. Let me put together some great animal ambassador options. From there, I look at the animals that are available. We only, 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 I have to stress this to you, work with credible organizations that are USDA licensed, who have all the permitting, who have, you know, you know, proper care. It's very selective on which animals 
we use. We don't just say like, oh, it'd be great to bring on that animal and let's just find one. Hopefully it'll work out. No, we work with these animal ambassadors who are used to people, who are used to being handled. A lot of them have been raised, actually, I'd say the majority have been raised since they were babies as educational animal ambassadors. So I kind of go through my list. I go through just a few contacts just from appearing in New York. This has been, I'm going to date myself. Let's see here. It'd be 11 years I've been doing media Oh my gosh, I feel so old. Okay, for 11 years, I've been doing media exclusively in, uh, well, not exclusively, but, you know, in New York and those areas. And so I've been able to, uh, you know, meet some great contacts and some great animal ambassadors. And yeah, so that is kind of what happened. So I kind of put, I put together a list of possible candidates. Then I run it through the show's producers and then they run it by the show's executive producers. I get the green light and then I'm able to put together some fun talking points, which then again, I run by the producers. I get the green light and then we're all set. And well, it's actually, it's not like that. Then you go through permits and uh, that's a lot of, a lot of paperwork, folks, a lot of paperwork to feature animals on TV, especially in New York city. But we want to make sure everything is done right. We also have to make sure that all the safety's in line because some of the animals, you know, can be potentially dangerous. I'm kind of doing air quotes, but they can be. And when you're working, you know, when you are working with the studio audience, there's a lot of things you have to think about. So I just want to talk a little bit about some of the animals. I worked with. Once again, the segment has not aired. So this, the air date will probably be in a few months. I will keep you updated. Once again, follow me on my social channels at Corbin Maxi, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I do have to say though, oh, I, I actually forgot. We filmed two segments, meaning, so you'll see me, uh, I guess twice throughout season four. And how they film the show is they only film for two weeks. This is super smart. They film for two weeks in a theater at Brook College. Yeah, I think I said that right. Yeah, Brook College in the Gramercy, Gramercy, Gramercy District in New York. And uh, they they film, I believe, 26 episodes in two weeks. So it's a lot of stuff, but we are able to film two shows. So it's kind of cool. The Animals and I will be making two appearances for season four. So just to, let's just talk about the animals. And oh, I just have to say, the animals, so if you're wondering, since I'm in Idaho, Corbin, how do you get the animals there? Do you take them on the plane? Do you drive? The answer to both those questions are no, we uh, do not take any of the animals on the plane. Uh, I do not drive from Idaho to Manhattan. The animals are actually in the area. In this particular case, they were coming from a licensed sanctuary in Pennsylvania. I believe they're only actually two hours outside of the city. So that is where the animals were coming from. Uh, my wife and I, we flew in the day before, which was awesome. And it was really cool. We got there at like 2 p.m. We were able to just hang out in the city and yeah, super fun time. Um, but anyway, so we flew in the day before and then had an early wake up call the next day. So the animals came from Pennsylvania. So basically, let's go over the animals. Let's go over the unique animals I was able to work with. First, we had the Kinkachu. Now, these are uh, really interesting creatures. Uh, for those of you, I'm sure many of you have heard of a Kinkachu. They kind of, they kind of, I mean, they're really, really cute. They're also called honey bears because they have a habit of, you know, they're found in Central and South America. So they have this habit of, you know, eating a bunch of honey. They also, you know, like I said, they rave beehives. They have a five inch long tongue. So they're able to get in the honey. They have like, you know, honey colored fur and the fur is actually pretty thick. So it prevents them from getting stung by bees. So, hey, pretty cool adaptation, but they are a nocturnal carnivore that is found in the rainforest of Central and South America. They have a prehensile tail like a monkey. So a lot of people, when they see a kinkachu, they immediately think primate, 
Like, oh my gosh, that's a monkey right there. And I guess that's not how the people in New York talk. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I just did this crazy country accent. But yeah, so it is not a monkey. It is a carnivore. But let's complicate more things because things just get more complicated. It is a carnivore that mainly eats fruit. So it's really weird with the classification. They're in the same family as raccoons, Procyonidae, but they mainly eat fruit. They will occasionally eat insects you know, lizards and bird eggs, but they're mainly eating that fruit. Very, very unique animal. A lot of stuff is really not known too much about the kind of their behavior in the wild because they're really reclusive. They are nocturnal. So during the day, these guys are really just going to be um, really just, you know, sleeping in trees, you know, high up in the trees, hidden. They have that beautiful prance hotel, like I said, that just wraps around them. And I just want to say they are one of only two carnivores that has a prehensile tail which is really cool. The other one is the Binturong from, or Bearcat from Southeast Asia. Yeah, super, super unusual. The one we worked with, his name was Cosmo. And yeah, fitting name, right? Really, really cool. Uh, and Cosmo was 15 years old. They can live to be, you know, in their 20s, even 30s in captivity, which is interesting. Cosmo definitely was, I would say, just being nocturnal. You could tell he just did the majority of stuff on set sleeping, which is fine. Uh, you know, we let Cosmo kind of do what he wanted to do. We were able to work with him, though, and we were able to try to see if he was interested in a banana. In reality, Cosmo was just more intent on uh, just using me as a tree because they are super arboreal. And yeah, they have crazy, crazy sharp claws. And so he was just more interested in clinging onto me like a tree but hey that's okay I could be a tree any day not you know like a natural demonstration yeah the kids learned a lot absolutely loved Cosmo the next animal we brought on was something that hit really close to home and I have to say it was this was my wife's favorite okay so with the kinkachu we brought on a baby American alligator it was so cute his name well actually he didn't have a name he was a year old and we decided to call him Wally and he was the cutest little thing and it just really Oh, it just kind of just took me back to the days when, you know, my alligators were small. I mean, because at one time, Chompers, my seven foot female rescued alligator was, you know, a little bit bigger than a pencil. And at one time, Sonny, my 11 foot, 400 pound male was the same size. And it was just like, oh, you know what? I'm just wondering, this just came to me. Is it like when parents who have like older kids see a baby and they're like, oh, I love babies. Oh, they can only be that small. I don't know if parents do that. I'm not a parent, but that's kind of what I felt like. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a baby alligator. Why? God, why can Sonny and Choppers not be this small anymore? Okay, I'll calm down. But it was cool talking and, you know, meeting, you know, I guess talking about alligators and meeting little baby Wally. And it just, it just was perfect. I love using baby alligators for education. Kids love them. And a lot of people don't realize they are North America's largest reptile, which just blows my mind that one day Wally, who is just 12 inches long, he'll get to be 15 up to 18 feet. I think I read somewhere doing research on them recently that the largest alligator I believe it was caught in Texas, was 24 feet long. Like, what? 
It was huge and weighed a few thousand pounds. It's just just crazy. And their growth is really, really accelerated at that time. So their first five years of life, I mean, they're going to be growing a foot a year. So next time I see Wally, Wally just, he probably won't be as tiny. Very, very cool working with Wally, the baby American alligator. Uh, you know, reptiles, this is just another behind the scenes fact for all of you. When you work, you know, with these animals and, you know, with animal ambassadors, especially on TV or when you're on set or even when you're talking to a live audience, and this is like for all my zoo folk out there who do keeper chats with animal ambassadors, they'll probably agree with me that the easiest animals to work with in these circumstances are reptiles. They just, you know, they usually just sit there, they're chill, they're just kind of looking around or staring off into space, people can touch them, they're just safe. So it's like when I have a reptile to work with on TV, I'm like, yes, takes me back to the good old days. The next animal, <laughs> okay. So you might want to pause this podcast. And if you have not, go to my Instagram. And like I said, at Corbett Maxi, I'll try to say that again, try to plug myself uh, 50 more times during the show. But uh, <laughs> that was a joke. At Corbett Maxi, go to my Instagram and go to my highlights. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the highlights, those are like the dots above my profile. And you could click on Wonderama. And basically those are highlights from all the trips, or I, I guess my recent trip to New York and all the behind the scenes clips. Because as you know, stories from Instagram delete after 24 hours. So through highlights, I'm able to save those stories. And so pause the podcast if you are stationary. If you uh, are at work, kind of sneak away, maybe go to the restroom, tell your boss you have to go to the bathroom and just go and check out the highlights because they're hilarious. The reason why I'm telling you that is because you'll go to the highlights and you'll see that we had a large African crested porcupine loose on set. That is correct. We had a porcupine on the show, African crested, the largest in the world, and her name was Stickerbush. Is that not the best name for a porcupine? I mean, can we just give it up for Stickerbush? A three-year-old African crested porcupine. Folks, they are huge. So normally on TV, I work with like a North American porcupine or a prehensile porcupine, a prehensile tail porcupine. These guys are huge. Found in Africa, they can get up to 65 pounds. So just huge, a lot bigger than our North American variety here. They live in Africa, and interestingly, they live in Italy. And I thought, that's weird. Italy. Like how, just Italy? How did they get there? Scientists actually think that the Romans, the ancient Romans, brought them there for food. It's just super crazy. History just blows my mind and I'm getting ready to go to Italy in actually 16 days. So I was like, oh my gosh, so cool. Bucket list. Let's try to find an African porcupine. You know, screw the Colosseum. Uh, that's a joke. Colosseum's so cool. Anyway, we had Sticker Bish, uh, Sticker Bish, Sticker Bush, the African porcupine on set. The thing when you're working with like a 50 pound porcupine is that there's it's very difficult to just you know either pick them up or put them in the area you know you know where maybe the camera wants them. You literally just kind of let the animals have complete control. So we literally let Sticker Bush out of her crate, thinking like, okay maybe we'll be able to occupy her with a piece of apple. Apples were her favorite and she'll kind of be on set. Cameras can get some great shots. We'll be able to, you know, do this. And this is all during rehearsals, by the way. Thank God. Stickerbush had a different idea, a different agenda, and Stickerbush just took off. Yeah, she took off behind the set, and you'll see in my story, I'm just, you know, walking behind Stickerbush, and Stickerbush is just, you know, smelling everything. You can imagine that everything is, you know, new, and it's 
interesting and, you know, enriching. And I, you know, had to make sure that she didn't, you know, get into any of the camera cords that cost, you know, millions of dollars, those cameras and the equipment, but she was fine. She wasn't stressed. She just was, she just, Hey, had her own agenda. And so after rehearsal, we actually, it, it wasn't my decision, but the executive producer decided, you know what, since we do have an audience full of kids and because Sticker Bush actually went towards the audience where they were where they would be sitting and then she went behind the set, they decided to actually cut her from out of the show. I know I literally like had a small tear just come down because I thought, oh man, this would have been so cool. Like it's so impressive. And and just just for those of you to give you an idea, they're covered in thousands of quills, but the quills just stick up. That's why they're called like the African, you know, like they have like hair on their back, which the quills are just modified hair, but they stick up almost in like a crest. That's why they're called the African crested porcupine. And they could get up to like 13 inches long. And I was just like, oh man, this is so impressive. This is so cool. And they just decided to cut it. Sadly, it wasn't my decision, but Sticker Bush got to, you know, run around on set and enjoy her time off camera. So sometimes it happens when you work with animals. We do not make the animals do anything they do not want to do. And if Sticker Bush, like I said, she didn't want to stay in one area, she did not want to eat her piece of apple. So we decided just to let her roam the studio and she sadly was cut from the show. But luckily we have evidence that she was there. You can, like I said, go to my highlight reel and check out the awesome time when Sticker Bush, the African Crest of Porcupine was able to get loose in studio. Uh, luckily, we were able to have, and usually when you do these shows, you do have a few animal ambassadors almost as backup. So it's kind of like, I hate to say it, but you know that friend that you're like, oh, well, I guess if this person can't do it, maybe she's available or, you know, he, you know, like there's always that person who's available. It's uh, <laughs> a horrible comparison. You know, with these programs, you do have some animal ambassadors that maybe the producers didn't select, but we have just in case, you know, we need to fill them in for something in case something happens like what sticker bush did to us and luckily we had two patagonian cavies and it fit really with our theme of animals a lot of people are unfamiliar with because cavies they are a rodent from patagonia in south america they look like a cross between a rabbit but they can hop like a kangaroo they kind of look like maybe a small deer with these big old marble eyes. Super cute. And these were just, I think, five weeks old. They were still on the bottle. And we were able to use one of those for the segment instead of the porcupine. It was awesome. I was able to hold it. We actually, uh, we, we, we tried to feed it on air during the live segment. And if you watched last year's segment of Wonderama, David and I actually each tried an insect smoothie because that's what you feed the the southern tamadua or the anteater. They get a basically a mush of ground up insects like crickets and millworms. It's really, really, really good, you guys. And anyway, so we both ate the insect smoothie. It was absolutely disgusting in reality. But luckily, uh, with the Patagonian cavies, we had some milk, some fresh squeezed rodent milk. And guess what? That's right, David Osmond, he's such a champ. He decided to squirt some of that in his mouth. He tried it. I, uh, bleh. I'm just going to say that. Bleh. I just can't believe he did it. I, I was good on the milk. I was so good. And he actually drank it like out of the bottle that, that was in the KV's mouth. I'm usually down for about anything, but I kind of backed off on that one. Hopefully he enjoyed it. You know, he said the milk wasn't bad. 
okay. So I give them props. Give it props. David Osmond, check it out. Uh, like I said, I'll make sure to post the segment when it airs so you guys can check him drinking rodent milk. By the way, I keep on referring to last year's segment. If you're probably wondering, okay, Corbin, that's great, but it already aired. How can we find it? You can find it on YouTube. Just typing in Wonderama, uh, Corbin Maxi, and it will come up. You can also find clips on my Instagram. Uh, you'll see a picture of a sloth, and then it goes to the video of the complete segment, so you can check it out there. And you can also check, I think it's WonderamaTV.com, and check out the full segment. Okay, so we were able to take a break with the animals, and we decided to, I guess we filmed a, a like another segment, an afternoon segment, because we were our, you know going to be on twice for season four. And to start off the show, oh my gosh, this was the first time I ever worked with one of these creatures. It's called a Kawadi. And it is so cool. They're basically like a South American relative of the raccoon, but you can actually find them also in Arizona, Texas, Mexico, Central and and Central America. And they are so cool. They have this long nose and at the tip of the nose, they have these awesome nostrils. It seems like it moves around independently and they're always smelling things. And they use this cute long little nose to dig in soil or leaf litter to find a variety of different things like spiders and scorpions and insects and frogs and snakes and basically basically whatever they can eat. And so we were able to work with this Kawadi. Her name was Violet and she was two and a half years old and she was just, oh, it was just so cool to work with her. I was so fascinated with her nose and they're just curious creatures as is. I mean, just curious creatures with an excellent sense of smell. So she was all into my cologne. She was trying to, she actually tried to go down my shirt. She was like looking, she's like putting her nose down my wife's shirt. It was just hilarious. Like during rehearsals, it was like, oh my gosh, this is not appropriate, but it was so cool. Once again, they are a member of the raccoon family, but interestingly, they are diurnal. So active during the day. They also live in troops, up to 40 individuals. Violet actually lives with another Kawadi back at the sanctuary in Pennsylvania. That one didn't come for the day. They're omnivores eating almost any and everything, like I said, including a variety of different invertebrates, vertebrates, but they'll also eat nuts and fruits and even eat dead things like carrion. So they're super helpful and they walk a lot. So in the wild, they'll like search up to a mile and a half in search of food, have a long kind of a ring tail, big bushy ring tail. It's just, they are so neat. And Violet was such a sweetheart. It was, yeah, like I said, awesome. Uh, once again, I do want to point out that all these animals are used for educational animal programs. They are not pets. So, and I know it's like really contradictory because I'm like, oh, they're so cute. It was so cool. But I have to put that out that they're trained by professionals, handled by professionals, and they're used for education for their wild counterpart. So like I said, keep that in mind. Okay, the next animals we used. I I have to tell you, I have a lot of talking points and a lot of exciting things about all the animals, but I'll tell you what, one of my favorite animals to talk about on these national shows are animals that are like really misunderstood or, or you know, who just have a bad rap. And that would be opossums. The Virginia opossums. We had seven month old opossums on the show. And for those of you who are driving, who are, who are probably like, wait, what? opossums like I just hit one yesterday on the road like they for all my you know people listening back east or whatever or in the midwest no they are so cool and I love being able to bring them on and kind of debunk some myths for instance opossums are not rodents even though they have a rodent like tail they are marsupials meaning they have a pouch so they're related to kangaroos and they're North America's only marsupials and they've been around, they're really ancient for mammals. They've been around for over 70 million years. 
which is crazy, right? 70 million years these guys have been around. When they're born, they're the size of a jelly bean, and then they crawl up into the mom's pouch. You know, opossums are famous for playing dead, which is actually scientifically called apparent death. What's so interesting is apparent death in opossums, it's completely involuntary, meaning they don't have any control. So if they are spooked, and this happens all the time on the road, so let's say they're eating something dead on the road because they're, they're omnivores as well. They're famous for eating roadkill. They help clean up the environment. Let's say they're eating something like roadkill on the side of a road. If a car passes by and they're spooked, instead of, let's say, running away, their body will involuntarily go into shock literally go into shop. It is stiffen up. It'll fall over. It'll start drooling. The eyes will roll in the back of the head. They'll emit this musk. They'll even defecate on you know, on themselves. They'll urinate. It's crazy, but it's involuntary. They have no control over doing this. And sadly, when many people, you know, see them like this in the road, they think they're dead. They end up just hitting them because they think they're dead already, which I don't know why you would even do that. And a lot of them end up dead that way. So very interesting. They, you know, play possum or have that apparent death. They're so beneficial. So many people, you know, think, oh my goodness, these are going to kill my cats or dogs. They don't eat cats. They don't eat dogs. They can't spread diseases. Matter of fact, they cannot carry rabies. Their body temperature is one of the lowest out of any mammals. So in reality, uh, they're not able to carry rabies. And, uh, you know, they actually are beneficial. You know, they eat a lot of animals we consider pests, including ticks. This is the craziest fact, and I learned it from my friends over at the Varmints podcast from Paul and Donna. Great animal podcast, by the way. But one opossum can eat up to 5,000 ticks in a single season. 5,000 ticks. Ticks, of course, spread Lyme disease. I don't know anyone who likes ticks. So, yeah, super beneficial. I could just, like, you know, uh, oh, 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 they're also, you know, immune to snake venom. So they eat a lot of venomous snakes and scientists are actually trying to figure out how they could study opossums because they might hold the cure for snake bites. The list goes on. One of the most fascinating animals, these seven, uh, the seven month old opossum, we just used one during the segment, but uh, it just hung out on my shoulder. Had, you know, they have that prehensile tail and they're able to just kind of, you know, walk around. They used me as a tree and I gotta, I, I do have to say this though. They do have a smell to them, like a very like pungent, like, oh, Yep, that's that's an opossum smell. And you'll notice on my Instagram, I just posted a video my wife actually got of me on the big on the big screen that they use for the show. I like I turned around and smelled them for the first time, and my face is just like, ugh. Like I'm just like, oh, yeah, that is an actual reaction of when you smell an opossum. But hey, they don't have to smell great. They're a wild animal, and uh, you know, they've been in the ecosystem for 70 million years, and you know, so they're doing great. We should just leave them alone. But yeah, if you ever smell an opossum, hold your breath. The last animal we're able to bring on was something also that hit close to home, a sulcata tortoise. Oh, I love the sulcata tortoises. I have four at home, Tank, Tinkerbell, Hank, and Littlefoot. And so to work with an East Coast sulcata was great. His name was Dozer. He was 41 years old. And I just, you know, like I said, fun to work with. We were able to put him up on a table. He actually crapped all over my nice new shirt. It was great. The kids laughed. David laughed. And then we cut. And yeah. That was the end of this. That was the end of the last segment. So poop actually equals rating. Long story short, had a fantastic time on Wonderama. It was, uh, you know, as always, these segments just go by so fast. You know, you, you you plan for these, you know, for months. You go through the permits and the talking points and the back and forth, and then the amount of time you're actually on camera working with the host. It's just crazy. How it just yeah, it just completely flies by. We look forward 
2 coming on next year for season 5. We already have some things in the works, so it was just awesome. Once again, when the segment comes out, Wonderama, I will make sure to let all of you know. Actually, we have two segments, so I'll make sure to let all of you know uh, and you know so you're able to watch it. If you have kids, this program is, you know, mainly geared for kids. Uh your kids will definitely enjoy it. And they had a lot of other fun people on. They had like a circus act. They had uh, some great piano players, a famous dancer. They uh, you know, the, the day before we were on, they had um, one of the uh, the winners of American Idol, uh, Maddie Poppy. They just they just have a lot of interesting guests. So, hey, if you don't like animals or don't want to watch me, check out some of the other guests they have. Your kids might really enjoy it. One other thing I have to say, I don't know why I'm just saying this. It's just so crazy, you know, when you work with animals and especially in entertainment or you know, you know, when you bring them on TV. If you are in the entertainment world, it's such a small world. Everyone knows everybody or everyone knows a friend of a friend or like, oh, I did this show or, oh, I did, you know, this and that. It was so cool. I just want to say this. Um, and this is, I guess, the first time I'm saying it really publicly, but the audience warm up guy for Wonderama. So this is the guy who gets all the kids so excited, like, come on, kids, you know, welcome, you know, get excited, you know, that you're on the show. The audience warm up guy is a Hollywood legend. He actually was a warm up guy for Friends, which, okay, guys, I love Friends, love Friends TV. TV show for Cheers, Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams, and most famously, he was the audience warm-up guy for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And for those of you who do not know, at 14 years old, to make a long story short, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno was looking for teenagers with weird or unusual talents, and my mom came across his talent scout audition. And at that time, at 14, actually at 12, I had started an animal rescue, and I loved you know talking to people about animals. I never saw myself on TV. Long story short, my mom saw the audition, the talent scout audition for teenagers with weird or unusual talents. She submitted me. I was able to, uh, the show actually thought, you know what? You're not really great for the segment we're doing, but how would you like to be a second guest on the show? It was amazing. Changed my life forever at 14 years old, being on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And that's when I decided like, oh my goodness, you know, that was 16 years ago. That's when I decided like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. The same warm-up guy was actually there when I made my first appearance on The Tonight Show. And he was there during my several other appearances on The Tonight Show as I grew up in my you know teenage and young adult years. And it was so crazy. And I just was like, oh my gosh, let me show you this picture of me and Jay. And if you haven't seen the segment, go to YouTube, Google Corbin Maxi Jay Leno. I'm like 14 years old. I am as round as I am tall. And I am like, you know, wearing my safari shirt and I'm here with Jay. Anyway, I show him a picture and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, this is great. And, you know, let, let me just text Jay right now. And it's just, I was like, what? Like, this is so crazy. Like, okay, yeah, sure. So I sent uh, him the photo of me when I first appeared on The Tonight Show with my Burmese python, Sher Khan, who's still around with me today, the first animal I ever brought on The Tonight Show. And he sent that to Jay Leno. And it was crazy. He actually, um, he, he, he took a picture of me and my wife Samantha and he said oh let me send you know let me send Jay a recent picture now and it was crazy like it was just like okay great and we had to help him you know load the photos on the phone and he's like how do you do this and anyway so and we're like who resended it to and he's like oh yeah Jay and then just in his phone Jay Leno so it's pretty cool we were able to text Jay Leno which is great and it's just so crazy just such a small world and it's crazy how things work out but I thought that was such a cool story and I'm so happy he still has contact to be able to you know tell Jay like hey this kid is well I'm not really a kid anymore I'm 30 years old this 30 year old is still pursuing his dream working with animals he's still educating people about them and that snake that he's showing you at 14 that snake is still doing great and yeah so that was super cool I guess that really wraps up the trip to New York from Wonderama I'm trying to think other highlights not really animal 
more related. We were able to go to a fantastic rooftop eatery and bar. It was called Eataly by the Flatiron Building. The Flat Iron Building. See, guys, I'm 36 minutes in and I can't even talk. Uh, beautiful area. We really enjoyed that. We met up with some friends and, uh, oh, it's just awesome. So if you go to New York, definitely check that out. They have a bunch of Italian food. Just great. Also fantastic wine. We also were able to find pizza. I think I ate pizza for every single meal. I probably had like 15 slices of pizza throughout my two days there. Maybe 16, 17. I don't know. I just love pizza and I'm always on the search for the best slice in New York. So when you watch my highlight reel, you'll see some of those updates as well. But I am uh, back home and, you know, back to work on the alligator exhibit, trying to get that completed, trying to gear up uh, in two weeks, head into Italy, which is so exciting for a vacation. Cannot wait. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for just taking the time to listen to this update and to the show. If this is your first time listening to the show, like I said, this is kind of a special episode. Uh, we will start with great guest interviews starting Monday. We actually have like a really good interview. So check out Monday. We have Stephanie Arney on the program. She's a wildlife conservationist. She's kind of similar to me. We both do a lot of stuff on TV with animals. So it was an excellent interview. It was hilarious. Cannot wait to share that with you. So make sure to check that out on Monday. With that said, thank you so much for listening to the show. And, you know, thank you for following me. Every single one of you, seriously, who, you know, write me or comment or send me private messages or photos or videos of their own animals. I seriously, seriously appreciate it. I look at every single one of those and it's so awesome like when I'm able to go to New York and you know and I just get these messages of encouragement or when you guys say, oh, I didn't know that about an animal. Like that was so cool. Can I, you know, learn more of this or that? Or just even by listening to the show and caring about what I do and, you know, caring about animals means the world. So thank you. Okay, guys, until next time, have a good day or night or I guess whenever you listen to the show. Have a great one, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.